Do you want a beautiful lawn? Enter True Green, the easiest way to get a great lawn. Just water and mow, and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, and more. True Green is the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour, and they have a verified best price, which guarantees you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. You do you. Let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com, T-R-U-G-R-E-E-N.com to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people. Guaranteed. The living room is where you make life's most beautiful memories. But your sofa shouldn't be the one remembering them. The new life-resistant, high-performance furniture collection from Ashley is designed to withstand all the spills, slip-ups, and muddy paws that come with the best parts of life. Ashley high-performance sofas and recliners are soft, on-trend, and easy to clean. Shop the high-performance furniture in-store or online at ashley.com. Ashley, for the love of home. How you doing, everyone? I'm Russ Salzberg, and I want you all to listen up and get a load of this. The NFL season is now upon us, and who better to talk about it with than the great former Giant himself, number 11, Phil Simms. So like I said, listen up, because you're really going to want to get a load of this. Like I said, folks, the man needs no introduction around these parts. He is the former giant great, old number 11, Phil Sims. I I, don't, I guess I shouldn't use the term old. He certainly wasn't old in Super Bowl 21, completing 22 of 25 passes, 268 yards to take home well-deserved MVP honors. Let me, let, let me not leave out the three touchdowns as well. Phil, thanks for joining me today. Really appreciate it, buddy. Russ, my pleasure. Uh, g- good to talk to you. Been a long time. And, and um, well, you talk about the game a long time ago. I think I saw a list on one of those <laughs> sports stations. Uh, yeah. You know which one I'm talking about. Yeah. <laughs> I-, I think they suffered and they killed them to put me at number eight in uh, Super Bowl performances. And, you know, Honestly, I, of course, I don't care. I just like to say it anyway. Well, <laughs> l- l- let me tell you something, buddy. If that's number eight, man, I, I don't even want to know what uh, one, two, three, four, five, six, and seven is because twenty-two at twenty-five is still twenty. Well, a lot of good ones to pick from. That's yes, true. that's People, that's, that's for sure. That's that's, that's true. It's all but, good. But having having said that, listen, it's uh, we, we got past the first Sunday in the NFL. Let me begin. Uh, which especially everybody on the local end wants to know about your assessment of what you got to see from your former team, Big Blue, the Giants, yesterday. Oh, I think there was, uh, I think the game really was about what I expected. I expected to be uh, really tough, uh, really on both sides. You know, the Giants, uh, listen, Jacksonville, they have built their team and practice and play to keep the game about the way it went. They're really happy with the with the sequence of the game. Another how hey, they were always in the lead. You're always chasing them. They take their time. They run the ball, and they hope their defense can make a play to win the game or to do something to really put them in a good spot. And that's what happened. Um, so the Giants, I thought, played very well on defense. Uh, they uh, dared Jacksonville to throw the ball, and Jacksonville really could not to where you had to worry about it. And it took away Jacksonville's power which is they want to run the football and play defense. The Giants took that away from them, the run game. And, you know, the Jacksonville just made more plays, a more team that's more ready to win, 
and the Giants are still trying to figure out what they got there on both sides of the football. Well, uh, uh, on the offensive side, and li- listen, Phil, who better to talk to about it than a, a quarterback? Uh, we know that the much maligned offensive line, you know, took a beating last year. They regrouped, revamped, uh, brought in all new people, moved. The, everything's new because even Flowers moved from the left side to the right side. Right. But he had a tough, tough day yesterday. Uh, from a quarterback perspective, I, I sometimes I wonder if people realize how important those big guys, uh, as as Dave Gettleman likes to say, the GM, the hog mollies, those big guys up front. Um, you know, from your standpoint, is this situation, you, you know, you bang your head against the wall after one game or let's say, okay, no. let, okay, that's my point. No, no, not, not at all. They played the Jacksonville Jaguars. Let's see. Let me think of some of those guys up front. Uh, Malik Jackson. <laughs> Uh, Calais Campbell, uh, Unique Ngakwe. I mean, heck, that's just the start. They got backups to come in, too. You got to worry about Dante Fowler, other guys. Uh, you know, they're big and powerful. And, you know, Eric Flowers, gosh, he, he had a rough start. But, you know, they did some good things, too. I thought Eli, for when he could, had time to throw, uh, things like that. But, you know, this offensive line, is that going to be the theme unless it's perfect? Are we going to beat on it every time? Uh, so it started already. I, I'm, I'm tired of hearing about it already. Yeah, well, it, it sta- I, it, I haven't had a chance to really break the game down yet, but I will. And I know Odell Beckham Jr. caught 11 passes, and could have been more. And so, you, you know, there are a lot of teams. A lot. Everybody was talking about yesterday. Oh, well, what is New England going to do? Trent Brown's at left tackle. Well, you know what they did? They got rid of the football. They ran some play action. They ran the ball. They moved it. They did whatever because play calling and play design, what's what's important in the league now, you must keep the defense, be deceptive on offense. You've got to be deceptive. That's number one. Uh, you need your quarterback to move, and you've got to do all these things because you've got to protect what? The offensive line. So the Giants are not in any position that many teams are not in, but you've got to deal with it, and you help them out with play design and play call. And um, there's Tom Brady playing against the Houston Texans. They got any players up front? And sometimes when I watched the game on Sunday, he was back there taking a nap. He couldn't find anybody open, so he gave them a second chance, and they all moved and they got open. So, you know, this, this giant offensive line thing, let it go. Everybody they let go, what did they do? I think they were playing somewhere yesterday. And they immediately when they let their bad offensive line go, everybody was out there trying to scoop them up. So I just, you know, come on. Saquon Barkley made a big run. Odell caught 11 passes. Uh, the defense was uh, very stout up front. A lot of good things to look, look at that you can say are positive. And I'm not just going to focus on the offensive line. Yeah, you know, I, I that was a good rant. I like that. No, no, just <laughs> just to touch on one thing though about uh, Eric Flowers, and I wanted your opinion of this. You, you know, Phil, you're a tough guy, and uh, you were known for your tough and, and your grittiness, um, and you know a lot of guys who you played with were the same way. But some guys aren't aren't mentally. I'm not talking about physicality now. Just mentally, aren't as tough, and you know. In fairness to Eric Flowers, he came into this league as a 20-year-old kid. Right. Uh, and, you know, it's like I always go back to the Little League. They look at the biggest kid, and he's still a kid. He's still a baby at heart. And I think they look at this mountain of a man who's 330, you know, whatever, some odd pounds, and big and six foot five, whatever the heck it is. Inside, 
he's still a kid. And I just wonder, you know, when, when it all goes bad, if if within himself, you know, I guess I'm ask, asking you to psychoanalyze, but have you well, seen other players go through it where they go within a shell and, and they almost prevent themselves from rebounding? Okay, listen, I know. I don't know, of course, what goes on with Eric Flowers that way. He had a lot of good moments last year, but that seemed to be the sole and only focus every time is Eric Flowers. You know what? Okay, Giants, let's deal with it. Okay, fans, I don't want to hear it. I don't want to hear about it on the radio constantly. Okay, Eric Flowers is who he is. So what do we do? Okay, we help him then. And we don't make him the a, a big part. Oh, Eric Flowers has got to play great today for us to win. If we're counting on that, then that's just bad from every standpoint of a, as an organization. You see a weakness, you help the weakness. You mm. stay away from it for it being a big part of the game. You don't leave him out there one-on-one in obvious situations with Calais Campbell. I forgot how many sacks he had last year, but I know it was a lot. And Calais Campbell's sitting there playing in a 4-3 defense where he played in a 3-4 defense with the Cardinals and goes, man, if I was in this 4-3 defense, I'd, I'd have been maybe one of the all-time leading sackers in the NFL because he has found a spot that he is great at, and they switched him back and forth, and they were taking turns. Um, with Eric Flowers, but Calais Campbell early definitely had success against him. But, again, let's do something to protect him and don't leave it all just, oh, we're going to win this one-on-one war with Eric Flowers. Yeah, let let, let me ask you this. It's one down, 15 to go. Absolutely. What kind of record did you, you know, put on your crystal ball? How did you see the Giants uh, for a record this year? Man, you know, I I see it everywhere, Rush. You know, it's just so hard to predict. I think Mm. that the, uh, I think there's a couple things we know for sure. If the offensive line just plays okay, that they're going to, you know, Saquon Barkley is going to make big plays. And, you know, there's lots of way to protect in the NFL. And you you just got to keep getting the football uh, to Odell Beckham Jr. as much as you can. And those opportunities, you know, you just can't say, "Oh, they double covered him." Then that's 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 a that's a cop out. All in this league now, you can move around. There's so much to do, formations, this and that. You can make it almost impossible, except maybe for the New England Patriots. They'll find a way to get it done. They're they're the best I've ever seen at making sure they double your best weapons in the big moments. But it's hard to do it. Movement and formations, things like that, give you more chances than ever in this league to get the football to the playmakers. Mm-hmm. Uh, before we get to you know all the action of. Um... Uh, you know, the the first Sunday. Uh, listen, uh, th- this podcast gets posted on Wednesdays, and folks, we're talking on Mondays. So, but I, I listen, we, we spoke about the Giants. Let's talk about that other New York team, the one that had the uh, third pick overall in the draft, uh, Mr. Sam Donald and the Jets. What do you see? And, you know, well, not let's go to Donald first. As as a rookie quarterback, uh, how much growing pain should there be? You know, he's viewed as, we've heard this before, the franchise. You tell me. Well, you draft him with third pick, so he is the franchise. Mm-hmm. And you put your future of your football team, your jobs and everything, coaches, gen- front office, it's in him. And, of course, I say that, but you know what? You've got to put something around him that gives him a chance. And I think the Jets, when I look at them, I don't look at them and say that, there's a glaring weakness except one thing, and that is can they get to the quarterback? And that's a big deal when you talk about a league loaded with great receivers and quarterbacks. So that, that's their weakness. 
but overall, they're solid. The Jets are just one or two players away from being, you know, it's like the Chicago Bears, really solid, really good. Then you put Khalil Mack on their team, and all of a sudden that changes the outlook. And you know what it does, too? It changes the personality of the team. It changes how teams have to play you. So the Jets, solid offensive line, solid up front, pretty good secondary. Running back situation's okay. They don't, I don't think they have a star at running back. But for Sam Dartled, you know, he's on the road against uh, a football team in the Detroit Lions. About the only difference I see between the Jets and the Lions is that the Lions have this guy playing quarterback. That yeah. is, you know, he's one of those guys. It, Matt they, Stafford. The, the team, Matt Stafford. The team can be terrible. He can keep, he can keep them in the game. He doesn't always need help. He's got a little Aaron Rodgers in him. He can move around. He can make awkward throws. He might be the only guy in the league that could play with a left leg like Aaron Rodgers last night. <laughs> because I mean that too. Because they're hand throwers. In other words, they don't need their body and everything and everything to be perfect to work to get all that momentum to throw the football. They both can just take it and flick it with their hand. And that's really rare. And only the few, there's only a few at all time greats that could do that. And that's why Aaron Rodgers, I mean, he literally threw the football, which is not a bad thing when you're a quarterback. You can throw off your back foot. It's much harder if your right foot was hurt and you had to throw off your left foot. That's much harder. Mm -hmm. But when you can just stand on your right leg, if you're a good quarterback now, you can just sit on a thing and, and still wheel and deal. But Aaron Rodgers was unbelievable, and Matt Stafford is one of those kind of quarterbacks. And that is the most glaring difference in these, uh, these two teams you know, uh, on Monday night. Well, you set me up, though, for because my my next question about yes, yesterday's, you know, Sunday's games was going to be about Aaron Rodgers. I mean, guy goes out, 20 uh, nothing. he's down, and, you know, that stuff that legend is made out of. But for crying out, and I want to take nothing away from Aaron Rodgers. I mean, the guy was just great. You know, he, he took his team back. But how much of that, Phil, had something to do with like, – because I was wondering, you, you know, with those, those three touchdown passes, uh, whether the guys made good catches or not, it seemed like they were running by themselves. Didn't the, the lack of defense by the Bears have something to do with that? Well, no. He threw one touchdown, <clears throat> excuse me, down the right sideline to, to Geronimo Allen. I mean, that was a – Allison, that was a great throw. Tight coverage. Right. I mean, he threw it over 50 yards off of one leg, and he laid it in there perfectly. And, you know, he didn't even mean to go to that guy. So he was trying to throw it left. He wasn't looking the defense off. He wanted to throw it to the other side, and it was covered. So he turned, wheeled, and somehow did it and hopped around and ended up basically with his back to the receiver after he threw it because he was trying to see off his left leg. That throw was great. The one he stepped up in the pocket and he threw it to Devontae, uh, let's see, was that Adams, I think? Yes, but yes. Just moving in the pocket, and again, that came, it came down, oh, well, that was a little short throw. But he had to flick it with his hand. I mean, he couldn't do anything. Just He took it and just took his fingers and, and just flicked it and got it there and he scored. And the other one to Randall Cobb, he hobbled to the left, and, you know, again, the coverage was good. But since he moved that little bit, again, another just quick hand throw, and he put it on the target. And that's why he caught him. Chicago was caught, Russ. They were, they, were, they were bleeding. And so finally, Vic Vangio, the defensive coordinator for the Bears, says, let's blitz him because he can't move. 
<laughs> there he goes. He moves a little. That's why you saw nobody behind once Randall Cobb caught that football. So I, 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 it's one of the best performances I've ever seen watching the games. And <clears throat> I think I – Well, that's saying I, I'm, a lot. I'm a little, yeah, <clears throat> excuse me. And, and I'm not being prejudiced, but I think I can appreciate it more than even fans can because I was a quarterback, and I just know those throws, and, and some of them, you know, when he first came back, were really phenomenal, and only a couple guys could do that. Yeah. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong. I believe your biggest payday when you were playing, you and LT were both at uh, two and a half million. Am I One co- year. Last what, what, year. Yeah. It, was, it was our going away gift. I didn't realize it was a going away gift, but uh, it, yeah, was. it was. And go, it was going, and that's the way it goes. Two, two and a half million. Well, last night, that particular game last night in Green Bay was a perfect example of uh, – how it works out when you pay your stars because there was like 134 million invested in, in, in um, Aaron Rodgers and I think 140 or something, 141 in Khalil Mack and both guys were like up to the task last night. I will tell you that. Well, listen, you know, I think the contract situations in a way, uh, look, I'm for the players, mm-hmm. but it kind of gets out of control and what it does sometimes. You know, I'm not saying everybody doesn't deserve their good big contracts. I'm glad they get them. <clears throat> but it does cheat some really good players in the league from getting what they deserve because teams go, well, you're good, but we can't pay you like you're good. So if you want to play, we're going to pay you like you're just a rookie, and we're going to give you the minimum. And, you know, what are you going to do? You know, and it's like that with many, many teams because they got so much invested in one or two players. And that's fine. Khalil Mack and Aaron Rodgers – I have no qualms at all about those two because, like you said, Aaron Rodgers is one of the greatest talents we've ever seen at quarterback, and Khalil Mack has been nothing but spectacular ever since he's been in the league. Yeah, I've always felt that. You know, you look at a schedule, excuse me, not a schedule, you look at a roster at the end of every year, and I was going to ask you about that point. And and it's not that you don't like guys, and it's not like management doesn't like guys, but with the cap structure and and what it was, you're saying to yourself, for crying out loud, we're going to have to let this guy go. We're going to have to let that guy go. Yeah, it's tough. It's tough. And, you know, listen, that's, you know, I don't know. I'm not in those meetings. I wasn't a collective bargaining agreement. I wasn't a big fan of some of the things they've done or they did with it or whatever. But I just, of course, the owners, the players would have to give up something. Oh, my God, maybe we, we, um, you know, practice one more day. I don't know what it is. But there should be some exemptions for players that are veterans on a team where they could give them a $500,000 exemption. In other words, you could keep four veterans that you really want to keep, and you can give them $500,000 more and keep them on the team and not count against the salary cap, something like that. It's really easy, but, of course, impossible to do because why? Well, you know, the owner's going, no, I don't think we need that. You know, the coaches, it's all the same. Do what you can do. It's up to you to fix it with, you know, this what we have in place. So yeah. I, that's, I wish they would do it. I heard they were going to do it, but it'll never happen. Yeah. Um, I, I guess, you know, the difference people and people don't understand that the difference between an NFL. Well, first of all, there is no cap in baseball. You know, there's the luxury taxes. And, and then in the NBA, they have that soft tax, which right. is it, it's just, just it is different, markedly different from football. Let me ask you this. Did you expect <laughs> I'm sure you didn't, but I'll ask it to you anyway. Did you expect 
One of the most talked about performances of the first Sunday would be that of one Ryan Fitzpatrick. Well, no, of course not. <laughs> I, I know this. I do love the uh, plan that the Tampa Bay Buccaneers have. In other words, I like their concepts of what they try to do on offense. I like it a lot. It's a really old-fashioned, down-the-field throwing football team. And uh, it's it's great. Dirk Cutter's been doing that for a long time. But I thought New Orleans defense, I picked New Orleans to go to the Super Bowl. And, you know, last year I picked them as the dark, dark horse Super Bowl team. And they, if they if it wasn't for the miracle in Minnesota, yeah, sure. they would have beat, I think they would have beat Philadelphia. They were just a great matchup for them. So, you know, week one, I'm going to temper things and look at it. Like I watched New England in um, uh, Houston play. And I thought, wow, Deshaun Watson just didn't – man, I know he's coming off injury and all that. And then I watched the game. I went, oh, you know what? He played pretty good. He played pretty good. You know, New England <clears throat> is better in the front, and they got some guys that can cover. So it's not like it's just it was easy pickings for him. So I'm uh, not going to jump to too many conclusions after week one and uh, not going to put Ryan Fitzpatrick uh, an all-pro team yet. But I know this. <clears throat> if he plays solid – the next few games, they will hold Jameis Winston out, and they'll keep Ryan Fitzpatrick in there as long as he's playing solid football. Mm. You, you said you picked um, the New Orleans the, the, is one of my uh, picks uh, to go to the Super Bowl. Uh, yeah, uh, who's coming from the other side? Well, I picked New England. Okay, I picked New okay. England just because I think they're. Hey, look, they're still without Julian Edelman, and uh, they, they Sony Michelle, the running back, who I think is going to make a huge difference in their team, and they made tremendous upgrades or. Some guys came back from injury, and they made upgrades on their defensive front. So I think they're going to be able to rush the passer, and that's going to help them. They can contain people in the pocket, which they did with Deshaun Watson yesterday. And the biggest thing of all, they got a lot of def- defensive backs that can cover man-to-man, which you need in the NFL. Yeah. Well, another team that surprised me yesterday surprised me because they lost, and maybe I shouldn't be surprised, but um... – the the Chargers are getting a lot of you know uh, yeah, sure. ink. They, you know they're a good team, and uh, you know there they are losing at home to the Kansas City Chiefs. Well, Kansas City has their number. Of course, I picked the Chargers to win that game too. <laughs> when I do it, you know, I picked them. I said, man, you know, I know Kansas City. I look, oh, they beat them this so many times in the past. And I go, well, who cares about all that? This is the new year, and man, it was like right out of book for the Chargers. Special teams touchdown. You know, short passes, touchdown, uh, let's drop as many passes as we possibly can, uh, you know, things like that. They did it all. I mean, it was it was right out of the book. And so they've got to get it straight. They have a lot of talent. The only weakness I see in them, they're a little thin on the defensive side, and good running teams probably, I think, will have success running the football on them. I, that's about the only weakness I see when I look at their whole football team. I, I wanted to ask you about a guy, uh, Phil, uh, Lamar Jackson. Yes. Y- you know, coming out, I thought, I mean, he was a, well, you're talking about a Heisman Trophy winner. So, obviously, he was a great college player. And we, we listen, we've seen great college players not be great pros. But I thought where he got drafted uh, by the um, Ramp, uh, Ravens, excuse me, I just thought this guy might end up being the steal of the draft. How, how do you assess him? Because obviously, you know, uh, he can't live that way in the pros running with his legs because he wouldn't survive. You tell me. Well, listen, 
there's a, a couple things there. You know, first off, you, you know, when you come into the league as a fast quarterback, I just know this. You're going to get slower, a little bit slower every year. And the defenses are going to do what? They're going to get a little faster every year. Because, you know, you start slowing down on defense, they just bring in the next fast guy. Because it's just incredible. The linebackers, defensive ends, and all those type of players that played near the line of scrimmage, how fast they have gotten. And I think the thing that surprised me, and it's early, early, but Lamar Jackson, it's going to take time. I think I was disappointed in his preseason play because I watched him. And, you know, I watched it on, you know, the where I could see everything. And I just go, wow, you drop back. The first guy you're supposed to be looking at is basically uncovered and wide open, but he was watching a rush and wanting to move because that's what he did at the University of Louisville. He did stand in the pocket sometimes and made some tremendous throws. So he'll get better at that. But I still have – I just didn't think – I'm really disappointed in his physical ability, his throwing so far. I mean, all the throws I watched during preseason – Is it technique? It, it's yes. It it has some technique problems. There's no doubt about that. And but I, I just never. I'm sure he did. But it seems like he never throws a spiral. And you know, listen, what great quarterback have we seen that doesn't throw spirals? You know, and and the answer is I don't remember any. And because when you throw a spiral, it's going to be more aerodynamic. That's one thing. So it's going to get there quicker. And the other thing is. When the ball's not spinning in the spiral, it's much harder to catch. It's like one year, the Denver Broncos, I think the year they won the Super Bowl, but Peyton Manning, his arm is all beat up, and he's trying to throw the ball. And then Brock Osweiler, he played that season too. They led the league in drops with a good receiving core. And there's a reason why they led the league in drops that year. It's because that football was coming out there, and like, you know, man, it's going to be tough to catch. You throw it, with, and especially if you throw it hard, and it's not a spiral, then it makes it really hard. So, you know, I, that that can change. He can change his techniques. All quarterbacks do in the NFL over time. And if they don't, then I just say to them, then it's your fault. Because it's like everything. You know, your golf game. You like to play golf. If you keep hitting the ball with a big slice, I mean, come on. Let's work <laughs> on and fix it. Okay. Okay? So, and it's the same with being a quarterback. If you're not throwing it the way you want, it does so many things. It, it, mentally, you don't trust yourself, so you don't see the defense the way you want. You never take chances throwing the ball down the field because you're afraid where it's going to go. And confidence, just play calling, play design, it, it changes many things. So long way to go for him. But my last thought on this is Joe Flacco is healthy. He throws rockets. He makes special throws every single week. And he's finally, finally, after all these years, even when they went to the Super Bowl, he's got a decent wide receiving core that he can throw the football to. And, and some good tight ends. And he's got a solid offensive line. So it's, we'll see. You know, Joe Flacco needs a big year. And I think he's going to have a chance to do that. Yeah, well, they certainly dismantled the, uh, you know, Buffalo. Well, that's yeah. So I'm not going to read much into that no, either. Right, yeah, Buffalo does have a decent defense, but their offensive line is the worst in the NFL. Mm-hmm. So you know, I always wanted to ask you this, and I didn't get the opportunity, you know, prior to the draft. So I'll ask it to you now. We talk about all these, 
you know, this guy was number Baker Mayfield and and and, and uh, Donald and Josh Rosen and you know uh, Allen. Phil, you came out of college, and, and I remember let him rest in peace uh, talking to uh, to the guy who drafted you. You came out of college, and you know I remember talking to George Young, and you didn't have great stats at Moorhead State. Uh, and in fact, correct me if I'm wrong. There was something like. I, I, were your interceptions maybe even more than, than, than your touchdown pass? My, my point is, yeah, probably from my career they might have been. Yeah, it's, but, it's such a different era though, too, Russ. You know, and I'm not doing. But you know, one year in Morehead State, we threw for two thousand yards, which was unheard of. Mm-hmm. And you know, I don't know what to say. We were not good. Um, you know, I, I I can't even find film of my games. There's none to be had. Right. I can't. Morehead State has none of them either. And all the other schools that I played, I called them and said, can I, can I get it? But, you know, it was just different. And But, you know, the one thing I knew at Moorhead State when I was coming out of the draft, I said, you know what, I'm the best thrower of anybody coming out this year. Didn't, did you flat out believe that? Yes. Absolutely. Yeah. And not only did I believe it, because, you know, there wasn't the coverage we see now, but I kind of knew who all the guys were. And everybody that came in says, well, there's no doubt about it. You're the best thrower of all the guys. And I just go, wow, okay, good. You know, I kind of thought it anyway, but you just reaffirmed it. And, you know, a real quick story. I had a really good offensive coordinator my sophomore year, and Steve Walters was his name. And we threw the ball okay my sophomore year. And, you know, we're at Moorhead State, so that's that's who we are. He said to the head coach, look, we got a good quarterback, a really good quarterback. He played college quarterback, too, at Arkansas. Mm-hmm. And he said, we need to throw the football Every single down of the game. And and he told me this, and, and he left after that year, and he went and went on and coached at the University of Tulsa. Then he spent about 20 years in the NFL, I think. But he said, we need to, we're Moorhead State. To win, we need to be different. Let's throw it every single down, no matter what. And the head coach, Wayne Chapman, who just passed away, you know, we had a great relationship. He goes, oh, boy. You know, yeah, I, I just can't. Because, you know, Wayne Chapman was a tough guy. He wanted to run the ball and this and that. And he just couldn't do it. And I just think, I think back and with some of my ex-teammates from Moorhead, you know, we all sit around and I said, man, just think if we'd have done that. We might not have won a lot of games, but we'd have been talked about, you know, everywhere just for what we were doing. And um, so, of course, it didn't happen. And we threw it as little as possible there towards the end. We had no offensive coordinator. I was the quarterback coach, and, you know, so Time. it is what it is. But you know what? You're not drafting the coaches. You're not drafting teammates. You draft the player. And that's what I always do, like this this year's draft. I didn't look at Baker Mayfield and go, oh, he won these games. God, he's a winner. Hey, he's at Oklahoma. I mean, what what Oklahoma quarterback hasn't been a winner? So, you know, so I just judged him. I don't look at their stats, really. I just watch them in the games and size of what I think they're going to be in pros, and that's how I do it. You know, I don't get to talk to them. I don't know them personally, all those things. That's part of the evaluation. But I just judge them when I watch the game. I never look at the score. I don't look at his stats, nothing. I just watch who they are and try to project what I think they're going to be physically in the NFL. Well, you know, there you go. I mean, you you also mentioned Joe Flacco before. I mean, Flacco wasn't coming out of this juggernaut of a powerhouse of of a football. Yeah, school. he went to Delaware. He went to Delaware. He, yeah, he transferred out of Pittsburgh because, 
you know, I forgot who the quarterback was at Pitt, but, oh, you know, stay here and, you know, back him up and all this. And he's like standing there. I'm sure he's there every day at practice going, what, are you kidding me? And which he was right. But I think it was Dave Wonstad who was there and, you know, was afraid to make a change. I don't know whatever the reason was. But, man, you – hey, Joe Flacco just didn't blossom like out of nowhere. I'm sure when he was at the University of Pittsburgh, he was throwing the ball about the same way he is right now. Mm-hmm. And so – but that wasn't good enough. And he left. And I don't – if I remember right, they wouldn't give him a, re- a release, the Pittsburgh Panthers. So he had to go to Delaware, you know, a step down in competition, and sit out a year because of that. So, uh, well, it's kind of strange, funny story, but he overcame it. And they were good at Delaware. They made the playoffs. They didn't, like, win it or anything, but he still was playing on a pretty good team. And who was your best quarterback coming out of college this year? Well, it's just there's so many things to evaluate there. But, you know, I would have to do it on this on these terms. I would have to do it. Like, okay, what's the safest to whatever? In other words, you know, Josh Allen, is he, what does he have? Oh, he's big, he's mobile, he's fast, he's got a great arm, and everybody says, well, his accuracy, I'm going to say that now, because he's up there in Buffalo, and nobody's going to have a good year statistically throwing the football for the Buffalo what we saw yesterday, that's going to kind of continue this year. But look at all those factors, and I know he's a good kid, a hard worker. I knew that. So that's, just, to me, a safe pick. But I did like, you know, Darnold and, and um, Baker Mayfield. I liked them because I thought they had great feet in the pocket. They can move around, and I, and I thought they both could throw the ball well enough, of course, to be good, at worst, just good, solid NFL quarterbacks. Josh Rosen... Beautiful thrower, the ball, and all that. But Russ, if I'm drafting any quarterback nowadays and wanting to play, he's got to be able to move a little. You don't have to run for 10 yards. You've got to be able to move in the pocket. You've got to move out and, and make plays outside the pocket. That's what the league is about right now. Yeah, and, and as your old coach, Bill Parcells, would like to say about certain people, he's not exactly Barishnikov back there. Yeah. Well, <laughs> <laughs> you know, but it, 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 listen – if Tom Brady learned how to move in the pocket and have that bounce in his foot and all that, then you can learn it and you can do it. You just have to practice and do these things. And, you know, I throw with a lot of quarterbacks during the offseason, young, old, high school, college, pro, whatever. It doesn't matter. And it's like one of the things we work about, moving in the pocket, you know, like a bounce, you know, like a boxer almost. Like jumping rope, you know, when you watch Tom Brady play, he still has that bounce in his foot, and it's really that bounce keeps him out of trouble, gives him time to throw, and that bounce also gives him, puts his body in great position now. When he wants to rip and turn and let it go, he's in position to do it. Do, do you like, Phil, the game as it is today? Uh, uh, you know, defense and the helmet rule and, and the this and the that. I mean, the game the game certainly has changed a, sure, it's a changed. lot. All, all for the good. And, you know, look, if we didn't have these rules to protect quarterbacks and make up all these rules, then you, you'd have to have five on each roster. And don't we can't kid ourselves. I remember Mike Carey at CBS when he was working with us in the booth to go over replays and stuff. And I said sometime, I said, gosh, you know, I think they're cheating the defense. You know, they've got to give them a little more – Lee Wade, he goes, Phil, no. 
He goes, you haven't been on the field in a long time. I'm telling you, it's incredible when you see him get hit in these games. He goes, I'm standing there, they hit him. He goes, I went. And I said, mm, you know, you're right. And then I was sitting around two years ago with five quarterbacks, and we're all sitting around having something to eat, and we're actually having a beer. And one of them said something. They talked about the league, and they go, man, it, it, it's not about survival. You're just trying not to get killed now. And I just went, wow, really? He goes, oh, my gosh. I mean, you better drop back and find it and look and get rid of it because there's just so many tremendous athletes up front. And what's the biggest discrepancy in athletic talent maybe in sports? It's defensive linemen versus offensive linemen. Because these D linemen are, that's why they're there. Oh, you're the best athlete. We're going to put you on defense. Oh, you're not quite good enough for the defensive line, so we're going to make you an offensive lineman. And it's tough to do what they do. But um, So I have no qualms of saying the rules. And you know what? When I watch games, Russ, I don't go, oh, man, I wish they played it like the old days. I kind of like the way it's going and what they do. And it's still, to me, it's still a great product on TV. Oh, I, I, the, to me, there's no question about the product. The, 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 I don't have a problem with the rules, Phil. Sometimes I have a problem with how the rule is judged or administered because, and in fairness, I think it's very tough. You, you know, they're looking at, we, we get the advantage of looking at the replay, but they're looking at, at the split second. But, you, you know, with with the crown and the helmet, like like if, if I'm going to hit you, and I'm going to oh, all of a sudden you bend down and boink our our heads collide. It's it's an unintentional penalty. Yeah, I understand. And it was bad in the preseason. I don't know how many were called yesterday, but you know the players are talented and smart, and they they adapt fast to all these rules. We've made so many rule changes over the years. Most of them always contain. You know, the defense trying to keep them under control. At least they stop some of the linemen from some of the blocks they can make to knock out the legs of the defensive linemen. But, um, you, you know, I don't think there was a whole lot of them yesterday. And, hey, listen, they, they, accidental or not, it happens. So, you know, you, you, you went low, try not to, try to avoid the hit, but if you're in a certain position and the other guy somehow gets – has to go low because he's whatever, and you collide helmets in the wrong way, then they got to throw the flag. They can't sit there and say, well, you were just unlucky. <clears throat> you know, you got to draw the line. And um, like I said, the players are unbelievable in making adjustments in the NFL, and I think they've already made an adjustment since the beginning of preseason. Yeah, a L- little bit different than uh, our old friend Lawrence Taylor used to say. Somebody asked him to describe it. Not a couple of years ago, I think I heard somebody ask him about uh, what do you think of the way the guys play defense today? And he goes, LT goes, is that what they're doing? Is de- defense? Is that-? When I play defense, the idea of defense, when you hit a guy, you want to see snot bubbles coming out of his nose. Yeah, well, That's Lawrence. Well, listen, I understand. It's frustrating for defensive players, and I do, but it's the way the game, <clears throat> excuse me, it's the way the game has got to be played. And you know what it's done? You know, I say this all the time. What it's done is taken a lot of the, I think, almost the importance out of the safety position. You just need smart guys back there who can know what to do and help, you know, stop the big plays and maybe double team things like that. Because the days of intimidating somebody as they come across the field because the safety on the other side is going to just run right through me, well, that day's over. You know, if you want to protect yourself in the NFL, just jump for every pass because you. 
you know, you can't hit the de- defenseless receiver. So, you know, so that, 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 to me, that's why I look and say, man, if you want guys that are going to make plays, yes, safeties can, but I'm looking for other guys more than I would a safety now. I just think it's in the, what I would do in the draft, the, the position of getting the right safeties would be lower what I'm looking for than it used to be probably 15 years ago. Yeah. Phil, before I'm just sitting here thinking about, I'm listening to you talk now and, you know, before we wrap this up, you are the quintessential example of somebody who loves what they do. I mean, you love being a football player and I'm not blowing smoke up your keister right now. I'm telling you the the, (laughs) truth. I'm telling you the truth. You love playing football. I covered you while you were playing football. But you've had a, a second career, you know, uh, as a football analyst, and you, now you're in the studio. And But hearing you talk, you, I'm looking at my producer, Crash, across the way, and it, it just comes out, you exude how much you love being involved in the game. You, it really does show, Phil. Well, I appreciate the kind words, you know, and, and, and I would love a TV show where I could just sit there and just go, okay, here's, here we go. You know, just like you and I are doing right here. Yeah. But that's not the world we live no. in. So that's okay. But, you know, I do it because I love it. I do it because it's my job. I like to work. I like routines. That's why I love the NFL. Oh, 10 o'clock, be there. 11 o'clock, this. Okay. You know, I love that. You know, it's, it, there is a little military to that, you know, the NFL. The schedule, the schedule is – Maybe the most important thing you deal with every single day as an NFL player. But somebody said something to me. I always loved this question when I first got into it. The writers, are you going to be able to criticize and really? <laughs> I like remember that. that. Yeah, and it still bothers me today. If you criticize, people will write, "Well, that was great. He criticized." Well, okay. Well, what if he's wrong? What if he's wrong? And 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 so I look at it this way. I I don't try to give like a lot of opinions. I like to give a lot of facts. And 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 then I want to do that for for the fans, of course, myself, but I want to do it for the players and uh, you know, the coaches and all them. I I think they deserve that. And if I've been critical of players and coaches, oh my gosh, yeah. Sure you have. I I see you bring me to a point. I and I, I didn't really think we were going to get it, but you bring me to a point. You you certainly have. I've heard you've been critical on certainly more, more than one occasion. But some of the people in the business, on your end, on my end, what we do, some people criticize and say stuff just because they want to ha- see somebody talk about this guy's. Russ said this, or Phil said this. It's almost a question of whether they believe it or not. They just want to rock the boat. Hey, listen, you know, Russ, and you know, yeah, just be loud. Doesn't matter what you say. Say it wrong. That's even better. Right. Yeah. Oh, Aaron Rodgers stinks. He's no good. I don't think he's that good. I don't know why everybody calls him the great, you know, this, that kind of stuff. LeBron, he's no good. I mean, come on, come on. You know, you've got to be an idiot to say these things. Pure and simple idiot. And, and you know, but they do it. And, and what does it do? It gives you a job. You get a pay raise. I mean, that's it. That's, oh, he's really just, oh, man, that guy's really all over it. You know, oh, God, it just, it just, and then people commend him for it, which, which drives me crazy. So, you know, am I wrong sometimes? All the time. You know, do I change my opinions? You bet I change my opinions. Why wouldn't I? But Russ, when you gain evidence, well, you go with more of the, what, what you learn. Yeah, but you, what you also do, Phil, and, and, and people know this about you, you don't take, as much as you love the game, 
and what you do. You don't, you're one of those guys who doesn't, I don't want this to come out wrong. You take your profession seriously, but you don't take yourself too seriously, if, if that makes sense. And you also, you'll make fun of yourself if well, you sure. get something wrong, as opposed to worrying about, oh my God, what are they going to think about me now? You know, I'm an ex-player, and once you're an ex-player, don't worry about it. I mean, you know, it's a, if you, you know, I know there's guys, ex-players, you know, don't disrespect me. You know, oh, oh my God, you know, you know, nobody cares anymore. Once you're, I mean, really, Dan Marino is one of the greatest quarterbacks I've ever seen. Do you know? Do we hear? You know, when you're quick, when you're done, it just moves on. Yeah. You know, I say that all the time. I, somebody said to me once, well, you know, when Dan Marino and John Elway retire, the NFL is really going to be in trouble. I said, what? I said, Denver's going to have a packed stadium if they put Russ Salzburg back there at quarterback. You know, they, they are. The fans are going to come out there. It's the team and everything about it they come. And, you know, so, you know, it, it's, it's you, you, you know, you, like I said, have a little fun. I don't mind, you know, listen. People ride me all the time on TV, radio. They make fun of me. I don't care. You know, it's all fun. You just, just, just go with it. And it's, it's like a guy that is a good friend of mine in TV. He says, remember, your job is this, to educate and entertain. So whatever. And he goes, I'm not sure the entertainment's not the first thing. So you've got to laugh at yourself right. for sure. And you've got to be able to, you know, you love to be around people. If you make fun of them, they laugh with you. And I, I think that's always a big key, and hopefully some of the things we've done over the years, that we, we I've done that. Well, you've done it very well. Phil, listen, it was always a pleasure for me to cover you on the field for a lot of years. But you know what? It's a greater pleasure to be able to say Phil Sims is my friend. So, my friend, I really thank you for spending some time. I'm sure the fans are going to enjoy hearing from you. Uh, be well. Uh, regards to the family, and we'll talk soon. All right, Russ, thank you. you. You know, I consider you a friend, too, and everything. And here we did this talk. You know what happens? I get, I just get, I'm sorry, I get worked up always. And, and, and I'm, I'm literally sitting here in my chair sweating because I'm going, Well, it's great. I love talking. I love talking sports, period. And I, I know you do. And yeah. as I said, you, you, it, it's an honor to listen to it because you should be an example for any young people out there listening. And it doesn't, you don't have to, it doesn't have to be football. I don't care if you, you, you're pushing a mop. If you love what you do, boy, that makes for a happy camper. Phil, thanks so Thank much, you, buddy. Bro. All right, pal. All right, bud. Have Thank a good you. Day. And that, my friends, is a wrap on today. I want to thank all of you for getting a load of this. Now I'd like uh, to get a load of you. Contact me on Twitter, at Russ Salzberg, on Facebook. You can check out my website at uh, russsalzberg.com. You can also check me out a couple of places when I do my Giants uh, pregame show uh, when we're uh, there on Fox 5. And you can also check me out on Big Blue Kickoff, our call-in show on Giants.com. That goes Tuesdays and Wednesdays from 1.30 to 2.30. Plenty of places to check me out. I want to thank, uh, big thanks to my producer here, Crash, also known as Mike Caragliano, 77 WABC Program Director Craig Schwab, Assistant Program Director Matt Dahl, and as always, as I say, use the fans out there, because without use the fans, I'd have nobody to talk to. So until next time, it is I, Russ Salzberg, saying bye-bye, so long, and farewell.
Whether you're a morning person or a bedtime procrastinator, everyone deserves a mattress that works for their style. And you'll find the best mattress for you at Ashley. The new Temper Adapt Collection at Ashley brings you one-of-a-kind body-conforming technology, making every sleep tailored to be your best. The collection also features cool-to-the-touch covers and motion absorption to help minimize sleep disruptions from partners, pets, or kids. Shop the all-new Temper Adapt Collection at Ashley in-store or online at ashley.com. Ashley, for the love of home. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.